that's what happens when you play a coherent 11. It's episode number 227. <laughs> Welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. That was not the voice of Chris Brammer, nor is this, or this, or me just going, there, that's not the voice of Chris Brammer either. It's the voice of David Cowlishaw, whose glory-hunting ways know no bounds as he returns to the presenter's chair and talks about himself in the third person. Everything's going off tonight <laughs> because Stoke City have won a football match and it's 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 1-0 to the Stoke City Potters and joining me to revel in the resurfacing of HMS Piss the League are <laughs> Tony Lloyd. How are you doing? Not bad. I've, a bit of foresight. I would have prepared a Chris Brammer impression, but it's definitely not something I can do. So just comes down to simple things like if you play Josh Time and you win. <laughs> That's just on-brand content the way we like it. And also joining me is Tom Thrower. Tom, say something about a, a, fa- a stat. Um, no, my on-brand content is is here is my imaginary <laughs> list of Joe Allen criticisms, and here is my here is my book. I'm filing them away for another day. They can stay over there. Stoke have won a game of football, and it was nice. But that that's, oh. that's that was our content for this episode, though, Tom. Can you can <laughs> you fish it out? <laughs> yeah. Well, just like the fickle bastards we are, we have to completely forget that Norwich ever happened. That just no, that was old Stoke. This is new, funky Stoke. New four two three one Stoke. Oh, I should start a blog called that <laughs> um, and watch it spiral. Um, yes, yeah, Stoke City have won one nil. Our first win in three hundred and seventy five games. Uh, some three word reviews from uh, you, dear people. Uh, a win shock. Season starts now. Lemon and sugar. Season not over. Much needed win. Aaron correlation reversed. About fucking time. Wednesday were shite. Brown played well. John liability. Mikel liability. Mikel. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Is Tony happy? Uh, Stephen <laughs> Fletcher massive. Finally a win. Stoke flipping win. Did we win? About bloody time. And Ben Rowley asked us to describe our relationship with Stoke City using a pancake analogy. Uh, I would say that there's a lot of toss before you get to the sweetness. Um, and that was very much the case for Stoke tonight, wasn't it, Tony? Just a, a first half that was very bad, a second half that was better. I would say the first 35, 36 minutes was a bit dreary. Um, picked up after that, I thought. Uh, but yeah, second half was definitely good. I mean, it was... It was quite good by our standards. It was very good. Um, I won't go too much into Joe Allen's performance yet because I'm sure other people will have more to say than I have. But I think first half and second half, it was by his standard. It was probably his best performance this year. Still fairly mediocre, but a couple of runs and a couple, one really good pass actually. That it sort of, where he sort of looked a bit like a short Nick Powell, and he just he just copied what Nick Powell had done about three times before, and just played it through that gap for Brown to run on to, and then Brown did that thing where he sort of looks like he's in quite a good position, and then manages to make it a much worse position before tamely either passing the ball backwards or really weakly side footing it to their keeper. Um, but yeah, Josh Timer was really good. I thought. 
<laughs> you know what, Tony? <laughs> um, I'm going to be nice and actually agree with you on Josh Tymon. Yes, I thought Tymon did play well. I, I cannot really fault uh, much, if any, of what Josh Tymon did. Um, one man who is dividing opinion, even more so than the man I'm going to ask to speak about him, is uh, Jacob <laughs> Brown. Um, <clears throat> Brown, uh, the, we had a three-word review there saying he played well. And but a lot of negative Brown comments that I've read on social media as well. How would you characterise what we saw from the Barnsley man today? Well, the ex-Barnsley man. I really like Jacob Brown. He's he's lovely. He runs a lot. He runs a lot. And he doesn't stop. Tom like, is not still drunk, running. to my knowledge, by the way. Um, yeah, I'm not. I haven't had a drop since Sunday. I am. Um, on time and time and 60 minute performances Brown's Brown's I I thought it's weird with him because today he definitely looked like someone who hadn't started a game for a while and was still trying to find that confidence and that sort of rhythm but he always looks like that he could have played 50 games in a row and still look like that but I like him. He's very, he's very on-brand championship. Anyone can beat anyone, isn't it? He just, he runs like a crazy person. He also gets into really nice positions that I don't think many of our other players get into before he then goes on to ruin it with a bad touch. But, you know, fair play to him. It happens. Like he's, he's nice and he's, he's wholesome. And I very rarely sort of find myself after a match being like well you know he could have done a bit tried a bit harder ever yeah i i uh agree i i liked jacob brown and it was pretty telling that most of our attacking play second half came through him and whilst he proceeded to muff up or lose the ball or not beat his man in certain situations the best chance we had prior to the goal came from Jacob Brown actually laying quite a nice one off to Stephen Fletcher. And it was kind of kind of sod's law that the the one time he, he finally got it right, you know, the usually reliable Stephen Fletcher kind of hit it straight into a defender. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of sympathy for Jacob Brown. He seemed to have adopted the McLean mantle of working really hard, but just having uh, the touch of a um, looks around room. Average Yeah. Average footballer. Yes, average footballer. That's I think that more than anything is the thing we need to get used to the most um, now, as opposed to when we started this podcast. Is oh, these footballers. Oh, they're just they're just blokes, really. Uh, they're just <laughs> blokes. Some are better than others. Some are trying their hardest. But uh, speaking of blokes, um, I'm growing a beard in tribute to him, Stephen Fletcher. He's a he's one of the good ones. Oh, just I'm so bloody chuff when he scores because he's like this this old war horse doing like one last turn in the spotlight do war horses go in spotlights i don't know maybe he was close to being shot and taken away for glue before he got anywhere near scoring because he was going to go off I mean, at least yeah, three not- times wasn't he yeah, Nigel Johnson was was full on like sharpening his butcher's knife to to, to massacre his corpse. Um, he he was shocked that never mind kept come back onto the pitch. He was shocked that Stephen Fletcher was seen walking again. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. 
Is there I, a chance that O'Neill looked at the bench, saw Sam Vokes, and thought, "Let's <laughs> let's give let's keep Fletch on." Yeah, just packed him full of amphetamines and pushed him back towards the pitch to run around a bit. It's speaking of Nige, our cultural exchange with BBC Radio Sheffield was was ongoing this week because the Radio Sheffield commentary team got stuck on the M6 for some reason, which is their own fault for not going down the A38. Weird, I, are, they, are they the Chuckle Brothers? Oh, is that I what, think is exactly that what's the same thing. But, well, I, I hope not, because one of them's dead. Although it would explain... <laughs> yeah, anyway. It just it just feels like it, it's a, a very unfair deal for for the people of South Yorkshire, is all, is all I was aiming towards. But I can't really find a way to put it in words that isn't really offensive to our... Um, not local heroes. Treasured... Um, <laughs> See, I'm I'm not exactly making a good case when I can't do a sentence to be then criticising. I mean, mean, I'm all for lording it over the the town and uh, the city of Sheffield and its inhabitants. I mean, I teach some Sheffield Wednesday fans, so I'm a bit gutted it's half-term at the moment. But uh, yes, they were were dreadful. They were pretty dreadful. Um, And yet... You know, football being football, you kind of expect Barry Bannon to flick a free kick in the last minute because that's how football works for Stoke. But yeah, I think we won't see many poorer sides in a while. Uh, who've we got next, lads? Who've we got next? Uh, Tom, who've we got Stoke. next? <laughs> uh. We've got your, your true loves, haven't we? We've got Luton, yeah, Bloody Town. Tom Ince is Luton Town. <laughs> How does it work in the Championship? Is it like the Premier League where you're banned from playing the club who loan you? Or do we all have to go through the inevitable rigmarole of a Tom Ince winner? I think if we negotiated properly... Ah, I see. Yeah, (laughs) Tom Ince is playing and scoring against us. But it's nice. 4-2-3-1 was nice, wasn't it? Mm. That worked. Yes, and I, I seem to remember uh, one of the more handsome and articulate members of this podcast saying the other week that four three three didn't really suit our wingers, and um, the likes of McLean would uh, do a lot better in it. And Nick Powell is a fucking number ten. Who knew? Um, I can't. I can't remember who that was, but it. To be fair, it was a sort of blindingly obvious point. And whilst I, I don't think Powell had the best games, you can just see that him and Fletcher even when we're not playing you know amazing stuff can have that ability to change the game for us it's it's slim pickings at the moment in terms of attacking output don't get me wrong but I'm just so much more calmed when Powell and Fletcher are both there both playing in their actual positions because they've just got that little bit of quality that is going to see us not not push for the playoffs, but just win these kinds of games when we've been on a bad run. I've got faith in their talent. And if you've got McLean and Brown doing their damn best, even though, you know, they can't really kick straight, we'll we'll be we'll be fine in terms of seeing through this transition season, whatever you want to call it. So yes, I'm not expecting anything hugely to change off the back of this result but maybe it's just shown O'Neill that you can be on the front foot a lot more and still be solid at the back speaking of which by the way Harry Souter 
Just he's just so tall. <laughs> Never heard of him. Don't know who you're talking about. Da- We're gonna start it all over da- again. Danny Bart, we called him, I think. The the tall tall one. Who's good he's at heading. Wolves. Yeah. Um He do, he does the passes, he does the tackles, he does the heads, he does the looking exasperated at other people having just cut picked up after their silly mistakes he's just ace and he's from Aberdeen as well, bless him, what a lad um, Aberdeen New South Wales? Yeah a fucker I think uh, I think someone said, I want to say new Luton Town employee plays analytic, said, or someone in stats Twitter was talking about how hard it is to recruit for a centre half nowadays like they need to be able to run quickly because everyone else is really quick they need to be able to tackle well defend well yeah of course they do but they also need to be able to dribble to have good positioning in build-up to pass well you've got two really young centre-backs who do both of those things Danny Barton James Chester (laughs) and it's just Uh... I thought the other thing with the 4-2-3-1 was that I think a bit like you were saying, Dave, it wasn't the best performance from anyone. I don't think anyone other than maybe Harry Suter stood out, but everyone just looked so much happier and more comfortable in themselves. Like there was clearly relationships on the pitch. I think I think I've said like our midfielders, centre midfielders, just look so much more chilled out when there's just two of them and they just go, oh, Nick Powell's there, he's going to do the creative shit we'll just work hard and maybe if the ball falls to us and we can have a run, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, so what do we make of the choice of the midfield too then? Um, Pretty telling, uh, uh, one tweet we've had saying, pretty telling that McKellie's dropped and we look a lot more coherent in midfield. Do you put that down to McKell's dropping or more the fact it's just that the system is a lot better? Or, Or was it Jordan Thompson? had a reasonable game I thought I thought can't really pick faults with him I think all all those things are true the, the system helps I think if it's not that simple but if you look at what happened when Alan went off having had a reasonably good game and Mikel came on and we just collapsed into ourselves I mean that sort of is that not just typical Stoke? It seems it seems a bit harsh to blame it all on Mikel. It's that just isn't that what Stoke do when we're one 0 up with five minutes to go anyway? It, it is, but also th- those three chances right near the end for Sheffield Wednesday. I think you can pin at least two of them on him individually. Like there was that free kick where he just got, he, he just sort of went towards the ball directly in front of Angus Gunn and then stood there looking at it and then got barged out of the way. It was, it was a good save though. We should talk about mm. Gunn at some point. Tom, talk about midfield because you're better at this than me and I'm all pissed. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, Tony was right that it's everything. I think Mikel has weaknesses. They would be further exposed if he was played in a two. And I feel that... I don't... It's. I think I've said it before. Brentford are my perfect example for why Stoke don't have the players for a 4-3-3 because they just have players who are content to end up as a winger, oh, but now my mate's at centre mid and it'll all be fine. We don't have players like that. Joe Allen has some qualities in some people's opinions um, and they definitely aren't appearing as a winger whilst James McLean is busy trying to fill in in his position. We do need that 
structuredness. I know Neil Knight likes that structuredness. It's what he went with with Northern Ireland. I know he seems to think that 4-3-3 is this base formation for most of the good teams in the world, but fuck it. But we're, we're, not, we're not a just... very good team. <laughs> <laughs> we're shit, and Nick Powell's not, and he's number 10, and it's nice. Did you see that bit yeah, right I... near the end where Joe Allen did run out onto the wing just once? Just for one time, Josh Tymon was doing a lovely burning run forwards and, and Joe Allen just ran in front of him, so he stopped and then sort of took it towards the corner and then passed it tamely. Oh, it was shit. But it just struck me when you said that, that he did it once in his entire career and it was just to thwart Josh Tymon's progress. I can't wait for him not to play again for three months. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, um... I, I was I was just it just made so much more sense to me. Just Alan and Thompson just make so much more sense than watching Mikel as he did against Norwich, which we're not going to discuss the gas leak game. Um, just plod about aimlessly, not really challenging, not really doing much of anything. And it's just, it, I really really wanted to like Mikel. I thought Mikel at the start of the season would be like this absolute diamond in the rough bargain, this maybe championship and Zonzi kind of figure where he'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to sit and spray passes about and that's me because I'm, I'm a Champions League winner. Turns out he sits, but he doesn't really do much else. <laughs> but he doesn't um, even sit. I, I, I'm going to bring it up because I have so many things from that Norwich game that are not great 1-0 win over Sheffield Wednesday won't ever etch out of my brain. But he doesn't just sit. He seems to have the perfect ability to step up at the wrong time. So where, where are you for the for that first goal where Campbell just walks through our team and you're watching it and suddenly the ball's coming towards our final third and Mikel's going away from our final third. He goes, No, come back! They need you. He's the classic oh. example of you picking up the wrong controller. And like he's just running in completely <laughs> wrong direction. Did you see when he first came on? He, he was just sort of fairly near the dugout, so he came on and the ball sort of went in front of him, and he sort of went, and then it went past him, and he went like that, and he just he just sort of nobody can see, but he just sort of turned left and right for a bit, standing on the spot while the play happened around <laughs> him, and then they had their first decent chance of the half, and it was just like, uh, uh, just summed it up. Yes. Um. Back to more good news. Did we talk about? Uh, Harry Sutar's new contract last week, or has that happened during the week? I've lost all I've lost all sense of time and space and everything. But how, Harry Sutar, he signed a new contract. Right? Was that not a fever dream? What is news? He did. It, did that happen? Right. Yes. yes so that's a good that's a good bit of news that happened. I'm sorry if we've spoken about this before. I don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, but yes. Sutar, good player, I reckon. P.S. His name is Danny Bart now. Um, more serious uh, things to discuss. Uh, 11 hours ago, Stoke published a statement on the website. Stoke City strongly condemned the vile antisocial abuse James McLean and his family very sadly continue to find themselves subject to. Ended his sentence on a preposition. Not ideal, but we'll move on. Um, the Pretty club wished to reiterate their... <laughs> The club wished to reiterate their continued support for his, for James, his wife Erin and their family. There is no place in society for discriminatory behaviour in any form and we believe anyone who thinks it is who thinks it acceptable to subject people to such abuse will be held accountable for their actions. We will continue to work with the authorities to bring the perpetrator to justice. Um another week another week in James McLean getting 
fucking ridiculous shit because people think they can with him because he's he's fair game because he makes a little balaclava joke or he um just is is too irish in public um i think we've probably said our piece off air quite a bit about um what mclean has to deal with and it's almost irrespective of the fact he's a stoke player because he's a fucking human being and he's getting bullets through the post I mean, what the fuck? How how the fuck do you even sort of articulate that kind of level of pathetic sectarian hatred? Help. I think, uh, yeah, um, Erin McLean's uh, thing about watching a, a football game where someone had threatened to take a gun to kill her husband... Um, I, I, that, I don't know why that, that really struck a chord with me because think about the amount of times you watch a football match and you're not even thinking about it happening and yet you're sat there in terror for two hours, petrified that there's some security laxness or something ridiculous is about to happen and you can sit there and say, well, you can't, no one, no one should. I imagine no one listening to this podcast will sit here and say, but you do see people doing ridiculous shit. You saw a fan in Aston Villa v Birmingham run onto the pitch and assault Jack Grealish. These things do happen. Um, and I, I, I do massively sympathise with, um, with our lovely Jim because at the end of the day, it is uh, something that has just been totally ignored by um, the people who need to not ignore it, the people who are supposed to represent him as a, as a worker, as a footballer, have just let it slide for way too long um and yeah uh, all all power to him for trying to ensure that this focus on tackling racism and discrimination in football doesn't leave out parts of um racism and discrimination that england as a specific country is quite happy to ignore Hmm. now there was a game that you and i went to tom at the end of 2019 where um it was the 5-2 against Huddersfield, where I discovered after the match that there had been this kind of tannoy announcement about sectarian abuse of James McLean. And I thought that was striking for a number of reasons. First of all is that I didn't hear that tannoy announcement. I don't know, don't know if you heard it at the time no. either. So the Stoke end, possibly because we're more noisy, I don't know, but we didn't hear that uh, announcement. And second of all, like, don't get me wrong, I'm... I've got a lot of time for Huddersfield and Huddersfield fans. I think almost all of the ones I've met have been absolutely lovely, but they, I, I remember overhearing like snippets of conversation being like to the effect of, Oh, he brings it on himself. And, um, you know, uh, he's, he shouldn't, he shouldn't do the things he does and not expect a reaction for it. And, Whilst I, I fully acknowledge James McLean will get people's goats with the way he is on the pitch, absolutely. He's 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 gonna steam into challenges. He's gonna moan at you. He's gonna you know talk to the ref. He's gonna do all those things that opposition fans hate him for, and and we kind of love him for. I mean, I think about she- the previous Sheffield Wednesday home game where he wins that corner out of sheer bloody mindedness. That's that's why I love him as a player. Um, but this whole sort of narrative of always, always, you know, winding things up himself, it's, it's the complete kind of brain 
brain substitution from, oh, he's being a bit controversial on social media to, hang on, he's he's getting death threats. Him him doing that IRA kind of history lesson, however ill-advised that might be, that is not an excuse to threaten his fucking life. Get a grip. What And these are the same kind of people who will, in another breath, be like, oh, what's happened to freedom of speech? Um, you know, why we can't make a joke about anything anymore. And McLean, rightly or wrongly, choosing to make a joke about the IRA. I- again, however... He's a pretty daft bloke. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he's like you know the fucking Oscar Wilde or anything, but he's. But you don't. Sorry. Yeah, you don't threaten someone's life for making a fucking joke or somebody's family. I think that's. Or yeah, someone's or someone's fucking yeah, family. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking mental. Like small children. That. Mm. Any of it. Wrong with you? I'm, it's all yeah. Fucking ridiculous. But also, I mean, we've heard it at Stoke before. He came to us certainly. I'm sh- I'm sure, um, yeah. And I mean, we it's... saw it with the reaction. Ultimately, I think a lot of a lot of our fan base really let themselves down before he'd even signed for us. <laughs> and I think through his personality on the pitch, the work rate he puts in, he has forced a lot of people to address that they had a view around him that they might not have thought was based around bigotry. But I think having seen him play and be the person he is for our club and hearing about the amazing things he does off outside of football, away from being a, a wind-up merchant on on um, Instagram or something, the amount of uh, hard work he puts into charities to helping people has made them realise that those views actually are informed by bigotry. They might not be coming from that place, but the reason they exist is because of abuse. Um, and I've got another example of a game, QPR... Not la- not the four two last season, just before the world ended. Um, the the season before that, mm. he is nearly getting into a confrontation with someone in the stands. Now, he is a character who will get into a fight and um, screaming in someone's face on the pitch. I think it's a massive another step for what would be required for him to square up to someone or go to square up someone in the crowd like he did in that game. Um, and yeah, it just all needs to fucking stop, and people need to sort it out. Yeah, and you are you are right, Tom, in that he he had that kind of um, kind of barrage of I don't know criticism and I don't know skepticism about his signing when he joined because of and this was this was pre a lot of the stuff he's now being criticised for retrospectively um, this kind of whole kind of poppy gate business and whatever he he had all that kind of shit from some quarters and but even if he wasn't james mclean blood and thunder working class hero kind of uh player even if he was i don't know just like some random loanee we've we've had i don't know cameron carter vickers even if he was just one of those kind of players he still shouldn't have had that anyway he still because as you said it is a, an opinion formed by bigotry it's it's Again, I'm I'm not saying like anyone who was doubtful or skeptical about his beliefs what is a bigot. I'm saying it's informed by this this sentiment of en- anything that is outside of what you know quote unquote proper British values has to be criticised and chastised at every possible opportunity. I and you, I bring you... sorry. I was just going to say you alluded Sorry. to it before, but but it's it, effectively the official line of the authorities was up until recently that well 
he does bring it on himself because the poppy thing. So this is just going to happen. So yeah, there's, he's going to get loads of abuse, but as long as Sorry, nothing. Serious I mean, I, I've happens, missed. I missed. Just... I missed Nemanja Matic's bullets in the post. Then it's, it's a, there's clearly a a, 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 a a dichotomy between the two, Quite. isn't there? And I, I bring I bring that up um, purely because um, given this sort of recent terrible run of form we've been on, and I've I, I get so tired of these kind of Twitter narratives and um, people labelling. Uh, so, like sections of the sport and the phrase like certain sections of our fan base does wind me up because quite often they, they're saying oh I've seen a couple of tweets and therefore that becomes a certain section of the fan base um, and uh, so it, it, it came to head when I, I, I saw a couple of tweets saying Joe Allen's receiving abuse uh, from a certain section of from the of the fan base, Tony's just held up a sign saying the word orcs. Um, but but I think we need to be careful how we sort of label these kind of things online because it's all well and good saying, "Oh, Joe Allen is getting abuse from certain sections of our fan base." Maybe that is true. Maybe there are people out there who are genuinely genuinely committing abuse as Tom slides out of the picture who are genuinely abusing Joe Allen but in a world where James McLean is getting bullets through the post and his family are getting death threats I'm sorry, criticising Joe Allen's positioning or um, saying what the fuck is that useless headless chicken doing here is not the same at all as as is what genuine abuse really is. So we just need to be careful about how we can throw that term around. I remember a similar thing happening with Butland. Everyone was piling in saying, again, I'm doing it myself. I'm saying everyone was piling in. Some people piled in and said, oh, Jack Butland, the abuse he's getting is terrible. No, he's just been shit and keeps dropping the ball in the fucking net. I'm just bored of it. Sorry. Sorry if that's abuse. I just really want him to stop. Um, So, yeah, just... It should just be a kind of frank reminder to us that it is essentially only a game, and yeah, I'm just sick of twat. Um, so uh, back to ha- back to happier times. Uh, what do we what do we reckon then? Smash Luton playoffs back on. They're, they're losing two 0 now because as a Luton fan, I do have notifications. Ah. On. Um, Tom Ince has just come on, and they're losing two 0 Oh, they'll win. They'll win three two then. They'll win three two easy. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't really care. I think that's the thing that um was getting lost as we got more and more closer to a crisis podcast. Um, as me, as me and Chris just sort of started to run out of big existential things about how lovely the championship was to talk about, and got closer to shit we haven't won for like two months now. Um, I don't really care about this season, and I never really have. Um, I just want to see us going in a direction that is nice and positive, and we were losing that, and now we're not. Now we've gone back to all hail Nick Powell build the team around him like we should have done with our previous great number 10. Um, and we're doing that now. So, yes, let's go smash smash the diamond that doesn't exist anymore to pieces. Is our previous amazing number 10 still available on a free transfer? 
Yeah, Stephen Island it. hasn't been picked up yet. <sighs> oh, can you, oh can you, I, I want us to sign Bojan for one game, one game only, against Gary Rowett's Millwall, and I want him to score the winner in that game and just go off into the sunset. <laughs> just, just scores and his 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 celebration is to just run to the touchline, wait to where get there's a horse, and where there is a horse. <laughs> <Man. laughs> <There's> a horse. <laughs> Don't say things like that about Gary Rowan. <laughs> no, fuck Gary Rowan. Bojan Rowan riding Gary Rowan. Um, that's probably quite on brand podcast. Uh, <laughs> um. Rocky asks, uh, even though we play better, Sheffield were as toothless as we are, and a goal from them would have put it to bed. Without a decent striker, we are as average as any other team in the league. Can we improve on average performances? Now, to be fair to Rocky, um, uh, he did tweet us during the match saying, if Stoke score and win, I'll uh, give you £10 to a charity of your choice. So that's an extra £10 for the Food Bank of Peel. Thank you very much, Rocky. Um, But do you agree that... Uh, we are as toothless as them. As well, Wednesday. Well, we scored a goal and they didn't. Using their <laughs> their best striker from last season, so I guess we've we've upgraded by doing that. Obviously, that's, Tyrese. That's one extra tooth. <laughs> Tyrese carried us pretty much in his purple patch and was really good and was outperforming all the stats and everything because he's just a really good striker, finisher particularly and. Obviously, we're missing him. The system didn't help. The fact that we've been completely hopeless across the whole pitch didn't help. We, we haven't created anything for weeks until today where we created 10 reasonable chances, I would say. And we finished one of them. So and plenty of ones where we did shot. like 11 shots, maybe. 6 on target. No, well, Tymon would have scored all of them, but yeah. Yeah, we had 11 shots, 6 on target to their 2 shots on target, one of which was... Right at the very end. Oof, Barcelona 1, PSG 4. Oh my goodness. Um, Wonder what's going to happen next time. (laughs) Now, the funny you should mention that because uh, do you know what Stoke game happened at the same time as the famous Barcelona 6, PSG 1 from... uh, Yeah, the nil-nil draw with Man City when we played a 4-4-2 and um, shithoused it. I know that because I took a group of friends to a pub in Brighton that has. I did the um, same thing, but now Brighton. the football yeah. on and forced them to put it on on one TV and forced everyone to sit around it and they watched a goalless draw whilst one of the most historic football matches ever happened. I did. I did the same thing. Who's just getting up, mates? Just getting updates on their phones, being like, "It's four one now. It's five one. Six. I was like. Oh, but did you see? Did you see that track back from Ramadan Sobi there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. They weren't. They were terrible. Right. right, good times indeed. I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you very much for indulging me. Uh, I hope I stepped into Chris's uh, big Yorkshire shoes as well as could possibly be expected for a man who is uh, quite emotional from a Stoke win. Um, Brilliant. Up the up the fucking potters. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, thank you very much. Um Angus Gunn should be third choice, not because he's bad, but just because of the other circumstances. But that's it. Lovely to be here. Oh yeah. Fair enough. Uh cheers, Tom. Be nice to Nathan Jones, you lot. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I wrote my song. Oh, right. How do how did I end these things? Fuck, fuck off, fuck off. Go on, Stoke.